0: All right, I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of 2 Peter in chapter 3. The title here is The Patient Savior. And really, I want to look at a few, really, we're we're looking at one verse in particular. But I want to talk about this because it was a week ago last week that I watched the Republican debate. You guys watch that comedy show that goes on? Just kidding uh but you know i'm i'm sitting there and i've been very politically active since the 2016 election for a long time i was involved in other elections but i kind of just voted as i was told to vote and did not realize what great price was paid so that i could vote i i every time i go to vote especially in a general election when it's just you know the last two candidates Uh, I do get overwhelmed standing in line thinking about people shed their blood for this. And it's become such a tool to just execute power over people. It's sad. I think if we as individuals recognized that sacrifice, we'd take it more seriously. I think people are taking it seriously now because they see how people they have voted in are not who they say they are. But I'm watching that debate and I'm looking at grown men and a grown woman just completely act like children and interrupt each other. I'll give you an example, just something that I, I laughed out loud at the absurdity. Mike Pence was asked a question about, um, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was something with Medicare. And he said, well, first, let me tell you that I think that school shooters should have an expedited trial for the death sentence. And while I agree with that, that sounds good. Was that the question that was asked? People just want to get their points in. People don't, are we're, we're, we're beginning to see more and more with the relevancy of social media, with this gotcha culture that we live in, that people are not who they say that they are. And as I was sitting and I was watching this, it literally put me to sleep, and I woke up to, I think it was DeSantis and Ramaswamy talking to each other quite contestedly, and I, 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 I looked at the TV and I thought, I'm so glad I have Jesus, and that he is patient, with men like this what we don't know about anybody who's running for president is what they believe about jesus christ we can assume which is not a great thing but we can assume that they're not saved because that's just the statistics few will be saved the bible tells us that not everybody will be saved we know it's god's will that all will be saved but not everybody will experience salvation so i think it's very easy when we look at these men we look at these politicians that are trying to say to you and me, let me handle your need, that we recognize these people are number one, they're flawed. Number two, they're temporary, which means number three, they need the Savior. And we need to be thinking that way. And as I'm watching this and I'm getting ready for bed, you know, I'm thinking about The talking points, and of course, you know, CNN gets on, Fox gets on, MSNBC gets on. Everybody wants to tell you how you need to take these things. And at the end of the day, I'm laying in bed, I'm reflecting on these things, and I'm thinking, I'm so glad we have a patient savior, because I'm not patient. And it's not, I don't say that to be humorous, I say that as as a truth. There is a limit for all of us. If we're honest men and women, there's a limit where the abuse of mankind, the difficulties in people, it reaches a point in us where we turn to sinful things. But that is not possible for Jesus. I don't think when we recognize the depth of our own failure it magnifies his ability to love. The fact that he went to the cross alone for those men that beat him and pulled at him and ripped open his flesh, mocked him, The fact that he went moments later and became sin for them, there is no example like that in human history. There's a beautiful song, Man of Sorrows, What a Name, Hallelujah, What a Savior. And it's a very odd song when you sing it. It's a minor song, the chord does not resolve. As a matter of fact, if you go in the hemlock and look at the next song, it's a addition to make that song sound a little better, but I like that song because it's, it's haunting. It leaves you, you, you hanging, desiring for a completion of the chord, but it's to recognize how different of a man we're dealing with when it comes to Jesus. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter is closing his address, and he's saying to the believers, you know, the day of the Lord is going to come, and in the last days, people are gonna ha ha ha, they're going to mock, they're going to point, they're going to say, nothing's changed. We've heard this over and over again. I was teaching this in my class this morning. I said to the students, when John said in 1 John chapter 2 that you, sh- you, you know that the Antichrist will come in the last times, and this is the, land, the last times because there's little Antichrists running around, what does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? When you look at the scope of history, there is... More time has gone by than what remains, amen? We are close to the end. We are close to when the tribulation period is going to happen, the Lord's going to come back. That is closer than it was when Adam and Eve were on the scene. So we are in the last time. We don't know how long those times are going to last, but the very fact that there are people going around glorifying themselves, magnifying themselves, calling truths of God a lie, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. You see in Daniel chapter 11, verses 36 through 45, the description of the Antichrist, the one that stands out the most, is he will magnify himself above anything that is called God. So any doctrine or pastor or teacher or cult leader that elevates himself above God, he is a little Antichrist. He's a little model of what the big Antichrist will be. Peter's addressing similar things in the last days. Look what he says in verse 1. This second epistle beloved I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us the apostles of the lord and savior knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust I like how the scripture describes the intent of these people they walk after their own desires many times we see the word lust and maybe because of the way we were raised we think that's only a sexual thing but that's not what the word lust means it's a desire the spirit is described as desiring against the flesh that's not a sexual thing it's that it has a will in which it wants to execute and these people are walking after their own desires and what this means is they only want to fulfill self isn't that our world today go get yours do what makes you happy Marriages are falling apart because all of a sudden one partner says, "I haven't been happy and I deserve this." If I had a penny for every time I heard that phrase, I'd have a lot of pennies. We deserve hell, folks. We deserve judgment. We have been given grace. It's one of the things when I was talking to Grant listening to him, which you got to remember. He came to Calvary here, understood the gospel, struggled with some things, and we hashed it out. If you all watched the interview, we talked about how in the four hours in my office, we talked like men, okay? All right, and I'm not saying we were disrespectful at all, but there was point, counterpoint, point, counterpoint, and we went, we went at it, and the conversation left unresolved. Next day, he prays about it, he changes his mind, that's great. But then, what I love is, the guy goes out and starts telling people, He says he sees the world differently now. He doesn't see himself as trying to be good enough to get to heaven. He sees people as they don't know that there's been a payment for them. That's a changed man. That's somebody that sees as God sees. But in the last days, scoffers are not concerned about everybody else. They're concerned about themselves. Call it freedom. Call it the American dream. Call it whatever you want. It's people being driven by themselves. And specifically, verse 4, we see what they say. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is he at? I don't see him. I don't hear him. I don't feel him. Therefore, he must not be real. Apply that to gravity, by the way. Don't see it. Don't feel it. don't, Don't hear it. So I can jump off this building. Everything's fine. Like Dr. Arnold would say, everything's going well after that jump. But you have a very soon appointment with the ground. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation, which is a lie. And that's exactly what he says in verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. How long did our friend Noah build that ark and talk about uh, an event that had yet to be seen Who got on the ark? Only his family. What Peter is saying here, what you're hearing from these scoffers, it ain't new. It's not a new thing. When they say, oh, everything has gone on as it was from creation. No, no. There's a massive destruction event. The global flood. It's funny, scientists will find proof of, you know, shells that belong on the bottom of the ocean or on the top of a mountain. No one can explain that as it should be, which makes sense if you have a worldwide flood, but everybody's like, you know, oh, this this mountain came out of the ground. It grew up into this big thing. That's more faith than I have. But they wanted to do anything they can to write God off. Where is he? I don't see him. Everything has gone on as it has been from the beginning. No, it hasn't. Peter says that. But he says in verse 7, but the heavens and earth, which are now... By the same word are kept in store. By the same word that what was, I believe what he's referring back to is that same word in verse 2, mindful of the words which were spoken before the holy prophets by the commandment of us apostles of the Lord and Savior, that Jesus is coming back, that the world is going to be destroyed with fire. He says here in verse 10, By the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of what? Ungodly men. So we know, here we are, if we're looking at a timeline, Peter's speaking from this perspective. He's like, look back. They say this is what happened, but you know what really happened. And we look forward and we say, there will be ungodly men at the end. And this is being kept in store. This event is being kept in store that the word of God is fulfilled. Have all that. So now we're getting serious. When you think flood, I don't want you to think of a pool overflowing. What we need to recognize with the flood is people drowned violently to their death after they had heard for tens and tens of years something's coming, something's coming, building the ark. Didn't believe, they drowned. What a miserable way to go. Well, we know just in that same way of judgment, there will be judgment in the end. But what do the scoffers say? Where is he? I don't see him. Peter says in verse 1, I'm writing to stir up pure minds by way of remembrance. But look in verse 8. But beloved, I mean, I, I, I believe when he says beloved here, he's talking to believers, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now many people use this as a measurement. And I think that's accurate. I think you can use this as a measurement, but contextually what he's saying is the Lord's on his own time. In a couple of hours here, you know, however much time is left, uh, you know, four and a half hours will be the next day. The Lord's on his own time. Just because he hasn't returned yet doesn't mean he's not coming. This is why you need to understand Jesus. You need to understand the significance of him saying, in three days, this, this temple is going to rise again. He spoke of his body, and the, and the people were like, 40 and 6 years it took to build this temple. It will be destroyed and risen back in three days. They didn't get it. They didn't get it, but he came back from the dead just like he said he would. So if he said that correctly, then he is the way, the truth, and the life. Then he is the Son of God. Then salvation is only through him. Then at the ascension, when the angel said, in the way you saw him, the way he'll come back, we can know that's true regardless of what the scoffers say, but look at verse 9. Verse 9 is a change. The Lord is not slack or lazy concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, as some men look at him and say he's forgotten, as some men look at him and say he's not real, as some men look at him and say he never existed, but look at what this says. He is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. You've seen what's called an extrapolation here. He's, he's long su- suffering to usward, those that are here and remain are a part of the body of Christ. He's patient towards us, and then it extrapolates, not willing that any, lost or saved, any should perish. And just in case the Calvinists didn't get it. He says it one more time, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. He wants praise, honor, and glory as he rightfully deserves. But he loves the world and sent his son to die for them. This is the model in which we have to start thinking about the world. The agendas that are going on, the targeting that's going on, the absolute political bloodbath that is coming, mark my words, that is just around the corner if it's not already here. We need to start looking at people as God looks at them. Long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And you may say, how can I get that strength, Pastor? How can I love the people that hated me? You look at the life of Jesus. It's exactly what he did. He was patient above any any patience that we would understand now. Here he is, he's about to go to the cross. They're at the Last Supper. And, you know, everyone's got the toothpick in their mouth, you know, cleaning up. Jesus knows what's about to happen. And the disciples are like, can you tell us who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Just right over the head. Peter cuts off the ears of a soldier and says, i'm not not gonna let you take him little girl comes up to him what 30 minutes an hour later were you with him no now she brings a crowd he's been with jesus no now he's talked at the campfire i never knew the man and he swore and still when jesus came back he looked at peter and he said do you love me do you love me do you love me he still gave him a shot We don't understand that. The human nature doesn't know that love. The human nature can't love that way. We see winners and losers, we see enemies. God sees souls, and He went ahead and paid the price for all of them, paid it forward. We need to love like that. The world needs love like that. And they're going to hate you, they're going to persecute you, they're going to revile you, but so be it. They did it to Him. It should not be a surprise because at the end of the day at that great white throne judgment, it will be so bad that our memories will have to be wiped. We will not remember the things before. We won't remember what was said in a debate a, a week ago. We won't remember how much a person won in an election. None of that will matter. People are either going to heaven or they're going to hell. And we have the solution in these vessels And shame on us if we hide it for our hatred for others. We need to see the patient Savior. But here's the reality of things. Verse 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That's coming. That should be our motivation. Do we hate people enough that we want them here in that event? Are we so tied to our policies and procedures and our own self-worth that we're not willing to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of reaching somebody? That is not going to be solved in the last 30 seconds of our meeting tonight. We got to go to the Lord. This is why when you see Jesus says in John 15, they're going to know you're my disciples by how you love one another. But it's not just everybody, you know, run to the church and take care of each other. We need to go out, reach people. But they hate us. Good. You know what the world sees right now? Revenge. Everybody gets their revenge. We don't have any vengeance as Christians. There's one group of believers that cry out for vengeance. It's those in the tribulation. When will our blood be avenged? You know what the Lord says? Be patient. There are many more yet to die. He's going to solve all of that. He's going to balance it all. If you can trust Him for eternal life, you can trust Him that He will take care of that. You know what our job is? Reach people, love one another. I know it's a simple message, you know. We're not we didn't bounce around on a lot of scripture tonight. But I saw this as a very important thing because when I was watching that, you can close your Bibles. When I was watching that little fiasco yesterday, I thought, here it comes. Here it comes. Speaker of the house gets ousted. Everybody's jumping up and down like the, like, like it's like their football team won. You know, and it's like at the end of the day, there are greater issues, you know. I like that we're a polling place here. I like that we can put up tracks and all sorts of stuff. It's a great opportunity. But I want people to come here you know, every Sunday, not once every four years. And I have a, I, I have a, I have a job to do. God is holding me accountable to bring people here. And if they can't be here, then I need to be the model of what love is when I'm out there. And that weighs on me because I know how I am. And you know how you are. I'm not going to say I know how you are because you know, you don't want to be mean to your congregation. But we all know how we are. And this time of year, it gets stressful. It's like a shirt with an itchy collar. It's just always there, you know? Something here, something there. I saw on these uh, political websites, they've got the counter going. X amount of days until the election. And I'm like, I'm not. Take, take that down. You know, I don't want to see that right now. I see websites that have a question mark and they say, days until the Lord returns. That'd be nice. But that's not the focus. I pray this has been an encouragement to you, that it's been a reminder of how we need to look at people in our lives. Especially those that are lost. I think of Esmeralda, that friend of yours. Thank God you've shared the gospel with her. And I'm glad that you're praying for her. And for, for, Whenever we pray for lost people, that's a, that's a good thing. We shouldn't be Uh, sheltered from them. They need the Lord. We were once lost. Somebody reached us. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that person? Aren't you thankful for that person? This hand is going to represent you and me. This block of sin is going to represent sin. I am very excited about this. I put this on top of my hand because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God loves us very much. This sin separates us from him. We cannot get to heaven based on any good deeds we fall short that's why we're called sinners that means to miss the mark the wages of sin the payment for this is death eternal separation forever in a place called hell and there will be many day there'll be many people on that last day who will be separated from god forever it'll be of their own decision but we need to do everything we can to reach them This right here cannot be paid by any form of good works. Going to church, reading your Bible, praying, giving money, being a good person. Those are all good things, but in the eyes of God, they're not a payment for sin. You can do all of those things and still end up going to hell. How? I'm a good person. Well, God says, you're a sinner. Somebody has to die to pay for this sin. This hand represents the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. Fully God and fully man. What he did out of love for the Father and love for us is he went to that cross, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, he went to that cross and became sin for us. He cried out to God right before he gave up the ghost, it is finished, which means the payment for this is paid. It's gone. As far as the east is from the west. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The fact is that what Jesus Christ did on the cross is he paid for this sin that separates us from God, so now when we put our trust in Him, the righteousness of God has been put to our account. That's called justification. We've been sanctified. We are put apart, uh, uh, set aside for a purpose. And one day we'll be glorified. And we think of loved ones who we've lost, who are in heaven. Glorification is ready for them because Jesus paid for this and they believed and they received. And you can experience that same salvation right now. You put your trust in him that he paid for all your sin and you receive the righteousness of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed if you're watching on the internet tonight. I'm praying for you, especially if you just understood the gospel. Would you trust in Jesus Christ? Would you put your faith in him and in him alone? His death, burial, and resurrection has paid for all of your sin. The moment that you believe you receive the righteousness of God. For those of you who are already a part of the body of Christ, I pray that this message, while it may have been short, was a powerful reminder of our patient Savior. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to that change of mind. When you talk to people about the gospel, you're doing the will of God. When you suffer for the sake of the gospel, you're doing his will. Please do not let that cold heart take over your entire focus be sensitive, be willing to reach people. We do not have much time left. Heavenly Father, I pray this message rings true for us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray these things.